Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss Sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at Brad.logan at Loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at Brad Logan C-O-T-E. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds in the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head over to the website or use your mobile device to use and join the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Bet online for the game starts. They laced up black and blue. I'll get from us to you. Welcome into this week's show. We've got a big one. Jared Redding from Inside the Rebels, the field of 247 Sports, is going to be joining us and talking a little bit about Ole Miss baseball as the Rebels lose two out of three this past weekend at uh, Red Blue Weekend, Double Decker Weekend. And it was a difficult weekend in Oxford. Uh, just recently off a big win over Mississippi State in the Governor's Cup, although it doesn't count in the SEC standings. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of sad for the wound for what happened in Oxford over the weekend. So uh, we'll talk about those four games with Jared here in the second half of the show. Also, kind of break down what we saw at the spring game. And then we've got your questions that you've asked on uh, Inside the Rebels, the message board. Uh, of course, that's reps247.com, Chris Brooks, David Johnson, uh, Jared, myself, along with Tyler Comas. Uh, a cast of thousands over on uh, Inside the Rebels, the affiliate of 247 Sports. It was all hands on deck this past Saturday. Of course, you had baseball, but everybody was there, of course, watching that Ole Miss spring football game because that's what everybody kind of wanted to talk about, especially with baseball uh, playing so poorly here lately. So uh, we'll break it down with Jared here in just a moment about what he saw and then, of course, the questions from uh, the message board 
uh, there at Inside the Rebels. We'll address those questions for you as well. If you're not a member of Inside the Rebels, it's a great time to join. Uh, there's a couple of memberships left, and uh, just uh, log on to reps247.com. Be a part of that message board community, but more than anything, you can be part of the audiovisual portion of the website as well. There's a ton of videos, audio. Uh, the, in fact, Chris Brooks is he and David, and then Chris sometimes by himself has the Reps 247 podcast. I encourage you to check that out as well. But there's a ton of audio visual, and uh, love to have you aboard there at 247 uh, Sports Inside the Rebels, the 247 Sports Affiliate. A lot of recruiting, and you know that's one thing that Chris and David do a, a phenomenal job with. They keep you up to date of all the recruiting that's going on. It was a huge weekend. Uh, we'll talk about a big commitment that Ole Miss got in regards to a quarterback, a four-star quarterback, uh, just a day or so ago out of Nashville. So we'll get into all of that in the second half of the show. As it stands, Ole Miss really reeling right now in baseball. So got to stop the stop the bleeding somehow as they get ready to face Arkansas in a big three-game series. You're almost kind of wondering how much – you know how much blood can they let go before it uh, you can't stop it so need to get some wins need to pile up some wins in the conference for sure to try to get in the SEC tournament and make some noise and see if you might can backdoor your way into the NCAA tournament right now it just does not look good from a football standpoint we'll talk about it it's the quarterback it's Jackson Dart it's Luke Altmaier of course, I'm Brad Logan. Happy to have you aboard the uh, Believe in Ole Miss podcast right here on the Believe Network. Be sure and follow the show on Twitter. That's at Believe in Ole Miss and, of course, at Believe Network. I'm at Brad Logan, C-O-T-E. Thanks for always for listening to the show. However you listen to it, we're at all the major platforms. If you have a chance, hit the button, subscribe to the show. Uh, if you want to rate and review us, that always helps uh, as well. We want to thank our sponsors, of course. Today's show brought to you by Bet Online and, of course, University Traditions, a great spot if you're looking for that campus hat. Not just an Ole Miss fan, uh, but University Traditions has hats all across the Southeastern Conference. They're good, comfortable hats. They sit well. They've got the high-rise hats, the, ro- the low-rise hat. Fits almost like a master's hat. That's UNIV Traditions on Twitter and universitytraditions.com. We'll have Jared Redding coming up here on the second half of the show right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss.
Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradlogancote. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. Joined by Jared Redding, of course, my counterpart over at Rebs247.com, the field of 247 Sports and Inside the Rebels. And Jared, we just saw the Ole Miss baseball team beat Mississippi State, although it's it's almost like uh, maybe to slap a little of the, the bitter taste out of your mouth. They lose two or three to the Bulldogs over the weekend. Uh, but uh, this baseball team, I don't know, what did you take out of the game against the Bulldogs? I guess the last one had some pretty good middle relief pitching and uh, I guess you could say starting pitching out of uh, out of McDaniel. Yeah, and it was something that you know almost obviously needed. Now, obviously, this game will not count ultimately uh, in the SEC standings, but you know, it, for Ole Miss, you're going to need any win you could possibly get uh, at this point because you look at where Ole Miss is right now. You know, kind of in the middle of a downfall. You know, you've lost you know roughly like 12 out of 16 games. It, it, what it is at the top of my head. You know, losing. Uh, three consecutive weekend series, a sweep South Carolina, two of three at South, Car- at South Carolina, two of three uh, to Mississippi State, which will ultimately count in the SEC standings and will kind of, you know, make or break your trip to Hoover, so to speak. But it was something that Ole Miss needed um, last night just be- simply because, uh, you know, the the pitching is something that you've – that sometimes it seems really concerning, right? You know, with the way Dylan DeLucia dominated uh, the Thursday game against Mississippi State – Sometimes you've seen the bullpen kind of fall apart, and it's fall and it fell apart quite a little bit in that series and series in the past. You know, especially the midweek loss to uh, Southeast Missouri. Drew McDaniel uh, gave up, you know, some free passes early, walked four guys in uh, his first two innings. He just seemed like he just really settled in. And that was all without throwing a changeup that whole night. Diego still called it a good mix, regardless. Uh, but you know. Yeah, give credit to Mason Nichols too last night. I mean, he picked right. up where he left off. You know, only give only giving up one hit and striking out two, just retiring guys and putting up some zeros. And that's something that Mason Nichols needed. Now it got a little bit stressful 
uh, with Brandon with Brandon Johnson at the plate. But you know, Bianca said like we needed to have him in there. You know, he's been our guy, although he's had some struggles as of recently. You talked about the last time the Ole Miss was in Pearl against Southern Miss. Uh, you talked about you know some of his recent outings in SEC play. Uh, you know, you're going to have that in baseball, and you you just need that one game to kind of even if you struggle a little bit to kind of get that taste out of your mouth. And, you know, Jonathan got that because uh, Bianco said at the end of the game that, you know, if we're going to go on a deep run, we're going to need Brandon Johnson. If we're going to need Brandon Johnson, you know, to deliver. And he he did last night, even though it was really hard to keep a Mississippi State lineup like that down. And, you know, kudos to Ole Miss's pitching staff for doing that. At the end of the day, the Rebels are 6-12. and 12. And I think I saw a stat the other day that on the SEC Network that said – no SEC team with 12 or fewer SEC wins has made the postseason in the NCAA. I think it was 12 or less. Needless to say, maybe it's 11 or less. I can't remember. But I do know that the magic number over the years has been roughly 13. Can Ole Miss get to 13 SEC wins right now? It's going to be a Herculean challenge. But, you know, if you look at the upcoming schedule, you have – uh, Arkansas, the weekends of uh, the weekend of April 29th through May 1st, they're the number four team in the country. And you know, Ball Market Stadium is one of the toughest places to play in college baseball, bar none. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Missouri, and although they've struggled more than anyone in SEC play, um, they they're feisty. You know, they've come up with you know with some. They're they're competitive, um, and when you go to Baton Rouge, where obviously. That's going to be a tough game regardless. It's kind of one of the cathedrals of college baseball, rabid LSU fan base. Um, and then going against Texas A&M, which Texas A&M has been making waves as of too, recently just entering the top 25. Olmos just has to be consistent night in, night out. And that's something, when you, if you ask Bianco about the struggles uh, this season so far, particularly in SEC play, it comes down to consistency. You know, they've shown flashes that they can do it. You, you've seen flashes of them, you know, hit, hitting – 15, 16 hits in a game like it's nothing and doing little with it, whether it be straining people on base or whether it just be the pitching falling apart again. It's kind of, at times of this year, it's kind of seemed like two steps forward, one giant step back. And they can afford that down the stretch. If, like you said, if that number holds true and, you know, that's the number to go to the postseason, uh, it's one of those things that Ole Miss has to be consistent with uh, down the road. Because if you look at recent projections, they're on the outside looking in. And that's, and if that holds, that would be the first time Ole Miss has not made it to the postseason in a full season since 2017. And of course, the team obviously with a bunch of freshmen that also kind of found their form as of late. So some of these recent Ole Miss teams have done that as of late. You look at last year with Ole Miss's SEC struggles midway through the season before getting it all together last two weeks of the regular season, and obviously the SEC tournament making it one game away from the Super Regional. 2019, similar scenario. This one is going to be a lot tougher of a task simply because, yes, you're 6-12 and 12 in the SEC and you still have you know, two teams, two, actually three teams currently ranked in the top 25 ahead of you. And, you know, this is the toughest part of their schedule. Even, even before the Mississippi State Series, many thought that Ole Miss would try to find their form before they hit this brutal stretch, and they certainly didn't. So now they have no chance to go back and fix things, and they just have to um, – you know, it's going to be Herculean effort. They're just going to have to get it done. Yeah, and you laid it out perfectly what they have left on the schedule. And if Ole Miss wins two out of three out of their remaining, and that's easy for me to say, but if they win two out of three from the remaining series, that gets them to 14 
uh, wins, and that almost solidifies an NCAA berth. The problem is getting two out of three at LSU, uh, of course, at home against A&M. I think it's a great chance to get two out of three against Missouri, but I don't think anybody that's followed this team at all thinks that Ole Miss can get two out of three at Arkansas right now. How does this team start out so high, get to the 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 mountaintop at number one, and now they're sitting at six and I guess six and twelve, twenty three and seventeen overall. I, I know the answer to this, but I think I'd like to hear your answer as well. How does that happen? You know, it's kind of a mixed bag, and I don't think you can point at one thing and you can say, you know, this is the root of the cause. You know, whether it be, you know, whether it be, you know, players, you know, coaching circumstance, anything. Um, when you start off nine and zero, you know, that's one of the better starts in school history from you know beginning of the season to then. That's region number one. Obviously, they didn't play, you know, as nearly as tough of a non-conference schedule like they did last year when they opened up against you know, three teams that were basically in the top 10. Um, but, you know, they, they had some pretty good ones. You know, VCU was a team, you know, that made the, the postseason the year prior. UCF, uh, they're just a really, really scrappy team. Oral Roberts kind of in that similar scenario. Um, and I think it comes down to just not have – I think if you look at it from a pitching pitching standpoint, it was going to be a big question mark. How are you going to replace Doug Nikhazy, a guy who can, you know, give you – you know, seven, eight innings consistently, simply dominate on the mound, uh, make you look silly with a curveball. Um, they they didn't have that this year. They didn't have a first round, sure enough, you know, first round draft pick to kind of get it done. You had guys with plenty of upside. If you look at guys uh, like Dylan Delucia or like a, you know, Hunter Elliott, you've seen what Derek Diamond can do when he's at his full potential. Shoot, look at you know Texas last year for any indication of that, and his SEC tournament performance. He's shown that. Uh, you know, Drew McDaniel, he got thrown in the fire last year, but at the same time, those inconsistencies you'd think would have, you know, made him a lot more of a consistent guy going into the following year. John Gaddis is a guy who's proven it elsewhere, but not quite at the SEC level. And because they haven't had that consistency from game to game, neither of them have really been consistent all year. You know, they would have games where they would give up six, seven hits, at the same time, only give up, you know, three and all that, or whether it be the bullpen. The bullpen was probably one of the brighter spots at the beginning of the year. There's so many talented freshmen with plenty of upside. You look at Hunter Elliott, you look at Raleigh Maddox, Mason Nichols, um, especially what Mason Nichols did uh, Tuesday. That was, yeah, that was pretty good. That was, and I know you, you noticed that at the uh, beginning of this, but it's one of those things. And you've also got to consider some of the lineups that they've gone up against in the SEC as well. Auburn was a team that many weren't really sure about in the SEC, but the main thing that's carried them is they have a buzzsaw of an offense. Tennessee, nothing else needs to be said. They're the number one team in the country, and I don't think it even comes close or even up for debate. Uh, they've done their, I think if you start off 17-1 in SEC play, it's simply mind-boggling and very rarely been done in the history of SEC baseball. Um, you know, Kentucky's always scrappy, but they've kind of – Found some of those things briefly at Kentucky with some outings. You know, Dylan Delucia had a pretty good outing there, I believe, at the top of my head, if I'm not mistaken. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Let me look that up real fast. Yes, that was Dylan Delucia. That yep. was Dylan Delucia's first kind of come at, coming out party to, to let you know, hey, this is the guy on the mound and all that. But they're scrappy, though. Alabama has surprised some people, too. 
Yeah, they have. They're they're Any- not as bad as we thought. And you know, when I, I think it's kind of a running joke that Tennessee kind of knocked Ole Miss down. Alabama came in with the gut punch. And that's kind of the way the season went after that series. The SEC West is just a hodgepodge. I mean, you've got in the conference right now, 12-6 and six, Arkansas is ranked number third in the country. After that, Auburn is in second place at a record of 11-7. and seven. Then it's LSU at 10-8, and eight, A&M 10-8, and eight, Alabama 9-9, nine and nine, State 8-10, and, and then Ole Miss 6-12. and 12. So you look at the East, you've got a bunch of teams that are 6-12, and 12, and then Missouri is 5-13. and 13. The good news for programs like Mississippi State, they've got Carolina. I mean, the Missouri coming up this weekend. They should win two or three. Then that's going to knock Missouri back down a peg. Does, I, I do think that Ole Miss makes the SEC tournament. I think, and we'll get to some of this in the questions in just a moment from the message board. But and the, one of the posters talked about would, would Ole Miss get one. I, I do think Ole Miss beats Arkansas one this weekend. I think they'll play hard. I think it'll be hard to to, to win more than that. But it's a good chance to beat Missouri at home, a good chance to beat A&M a couple of times, and then they always play LSU hard on the road. Yeah, and it's one of the, and Ole Miss has always used, historically, despite having, you know, some pretty crushing defeats, serious defeats in SEC play, that they've gone in, gone to defeat a team like Vanderbilt last year, who many thought were invincible last year when Ole Miss took two of three against them, took a, took on a Georgia team that was you know hot and like they've always been able to. Um, compete and all that so you know you look at it on paper and you want to think yeah you know that's something that could happen but at the same time you're in the sec and you you listed the, the some of the conference records down there there's a lot of parity in this conference and that was the main thing that bianco pointed out uh in the game against alabama that clinched the series sweep is look you are in the sec you know if you don't play at your best if you come in just expecting to win and you know in just not giving, you know, any sort of effort or just not giving your best effort or putting your best foot forward preparation-wise, you're going to get beat. It just takes something as little as that to, you know, start, you know, making things kind of go downhill uh, a little bit. But, yes, um, if you look at, uh, you know, LSU, LSU's main – Achilles heel kind of like Ole Miss right now is just, you know, defensive fielding percentage too. I think LSU as of right now, I think is last in the conference, I believe fielding percentage. Ole Miss was, you know, not too far behind. That's been a big Achilles heel of Ole Miss too. When we talk about their flaws is defensively offensively, they have, you know, there's, they returned, you know, 88, 89, 90% of their offense from a year ago. They, they have a surefire top five draft pick soon in Jacob Gonzalez. They have Tim Elko who, you know, hit almost as many home runs or about as many home runs with one ACL as he did too. Um, but at the same time, when you're running up against certain type of pitchers that they've struggled against some off-speed pitching, certain type of pitches, you know, the, especially the ones low and away, kind of the middle or the beginning of SEC play, they really struggle, especially the power hitters and, you know, that top part of the lineup. Peyton Chatagnier had a massive, massive spell that kind of seemed like it wasn't going to end for a, for a while. Um, and just some bats, some of those bats just haven't, you know, been consistent, although you know what they can do. And it all kind of goes down to what Bianca said, talking about consistency. But at the same time, there are certain trends that are kind of startling, though, is, you know, why the fielding percentage, you know, is at the top of my head, mid, low 90s. Yeah. At the top of my head. One of the worst. 
one of the worst fielding percentages in the Bianco era. And Ole Miss is dead last in the SEC West. And here, here's an interesting note here. Only two teams out of seven in the SEC East have a winning record in the conference. That's unbelievable. And, then of course, a lot of that has just because Tennessee is 17-1. and one. So, uh, But the Ole Miss baseball team, obviously, Jared, it's it's reeling. You know, we'll get into everything on the board uh, at reps 247 dot com about the future of the program where they might head if it continues to go southward there obviously will probably be some form of a change quickly let's jump over to football just for a moment you and i and david uh chris and tyler the whole crew was there watching that spring game before we get too deep into it but i think david said it best it's just a spring game what are some quick takeaways you took away from the saturday scrimmage the first thing that you, that you mentioned, obviously, that it is a spring game. And just because, you know, Jackson Dart did not have a good game throwing, you know, two or three interceptions in a game or, you know, or Michael Trigg just making all these type of catches left and right, whether it be J.J. Henry, getting, I think, leading everybody in receiving when it was all said and done. Those things are, are structured, structured in a certain way. Jackson Dart was working with a second-team offensive line, and they didn't make the change half you know and Kiffin said it best that that Dart was just trying to win the starting job just like that and kind of make that statement in front of a you know a somewhat of a crowd yeah you know at the ball I mean Oxford was packed packed that weekend uh you know look look no further double decker for any other indication of that even the series against Mississippi State which you know game three set an attendance record the top of my head if I'm not mistaken but about the game uh you know Altmeyer. I think is going to battle for that starting job. And I don't think he's going to be intimidated or backed down from Jackson Dart. And that's just the type of person who he is. You know, I've covered Luke Altmeyer since he was a freshman in high school at Starkville high school. You know, the kid doesn't get rattled. The kid doesn't get rattled very easily. You know, if he throws one interception, it's not going to cave, you know, he's, he's going to battle back. You know, you look at Dart, you know, he certainly has, you know, the, you know, the notoriety, you know, the kind of the, the the swagger. He's wearing that number two jersey, which I'm sure a lot of Ole Miss fans know who wore that number. Um, you know, a lot of people may not have given Altmeyer a chance. I think Altmeyer's going to battle for it. Now, granted, Altmeyer was working with a first-team offensive line, and, you know, Dart wasn't. Um, but, you know, the receivers is something you have to look at is who are those guys. And I don't think there's a really good assessment based on, the spring, you know, sure, Michael Trigg is going to be big. And he's going to make big boy plays and snag balls over people. You know, we don't know if J.J. Henry or, you know, Watkins is going to, uh, you know, be the one to compliment a guy like Jonathan Mingo. And Mingo didn't you know, participate. So that's a uncertain thing. You look at the running backs, I think there's a lot more than with Zach Evans and U.S. Bentley in that locker. I think Kentrell Bullock and Quinshawn Junkins, you know, are going to have that chance. You know, you look at the running back situation last year with uh, – the three guys, you know, in that in that team room, you know, the Henry Parishes, you know, Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor, I think you could have that similarly coming up this year. And as far as the, you know, some guys in the offensive line, second team offensive line was a little bit concerning, a little bit defensively. I think, you know, JJ Biggie is going to be a lot better than people realize. And I don't, think, and I don't say that because of just the spring game alone is because he's a guy who got better at the position when he was at Auburn. Plus. You know, I watched him play in high school and single-handedly win a state championship for Oxford, you know, doing everything on the field. And I think, you know, defensive tackle is uh, no exception. Uh, but, you know, you want to look 
have a little bit more of a sample size to look at, you know, the linebacker situation uh, and certain guys in the secondary, you know, are going to do, you know, good or improve on last year, like, you know, DeAndre Prince and uh, so forth like that. Some of the things that, that was the things that mainly stand out, but at the same time, you could only get so much just based on one game that was, you know, that didn't have certain things or certain principles that a regular game would have. So it's one matter of just looking at, you know, practice, looking at the summertime and the fall and seeing what happens. There's no doubt. And then one thing I definitely agree with you is a, the second team offensive line, and, and I know David kind of, you know, backed me down a little bit, but it didn't look great. And and I think a lot of that is just the question is going to remain. Is there going to be some maybe some late transfers, maybe some, some younger players that aren't in the program that might can step in and help that position? Secondly, without Jalen Knox, who was out with injury, Jonathan Migo, the reports are that he had, he had another surgery. So he was out of the spring game. Secondly, you know, Jared, we've not heard from Braylon Brown, Buck Halter. A lot of these players that that were highly decorated, the receiving core is just not stepping up. Now, now I agree with you. It, the the one receiver that I was excited about, the transfer from uh, is it Vanderbilt, the one that I like. So the, the transfer from Louisville, Jordan Watkins. Yeah, Watkins. I mean, he he looked really good in the practices I was able to see, and he looked okay. Uh, during the scrimmage. And I'm not going to throw Trigg in there. He's just a freak of nature. He's going to be a terrific tight end. But I do think wide receiver is definitely a problem. Why, uh, running backs is not. I, I think the Rebels are going to be just as good at running back this year as they were last year. I know that's saying a lot with, with how much that they lost with, with Connor and, and Ely and Parrish gone. But uh, I really like this running back room. I think it's going to be one for the ages and one that we'll remember for a while because that first-team offensive line, knock on wood, stays healthy. It's one of the better options offensive lines to come through yeah and you know they and they they have some seasoned veterans in there you look at a guy like mason brooks uh probably had one of the best spring interviews i think i've ever heard from an offensive lineman uh just really liked uh being in oxford so far and you know he's kind of meshed well with this team although not being here all that long and you know the process that it took him uh to get there but at the same time i think you brought up a yeah you brought up something about the receivers when you talk about you know it, you know, it had not quite living up to what Ole Miss had previously. But at the same time, it's one of those things where is it because of just where we are in the spring or is it because the Ole Miss was so spoiled with what they had last year and the quarterback that they had last year making them look good as well? And I think there's no question when you look at Dontario Drummond, just his development in this time at Ole Miss coming from East Mississippi and setting records there. Um, and, and, a Ming, and John Domingo guy, just if he stays healthy, what can he do? Could he be the next A.J. Brown? He has the jersey number for it, but can he back it up? You know, Braylon Sanders kind of being just an all-around guy and, and kind of uh, just have very few flaws in his game, maybe other than, you know, his size and not being, you know, a 6'4", you know, big bruiser. You know, like, like Ole Miss has, has seen in the past with guys like D.K. Metcalf and, and so forth. Um, but it's, it, it depends on kind of which way you look at it. And I think Watkins – you know, he can be that guy. And I agree. And I agree with you on that. Um, but nobody, it's not like one of those things. If you look at what, you know, Travis Hunter is doing, did a Jackson state spring game. And you look at that guy and you're like, that's a bad dude. Um, you just don't see that yet with this receiving core yet. So, but I think it's a little bit too early to make a judgment on that. But at the same time, you got to keep a, you know, fresh pair of glasses on and kind of realize kind of the context of you know, coming into the season and what Ole Miss has, coming from last year and what Ole Miss kind of has coming into this year, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, it does. And, you know, they just 
I don't know that they have a burner. Uh, you know, they last year they had a Braylon Sanders. This year they really don't. And and I think everyone's kind of waiting on bated breath to see what happens with the 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 transfer from LSU, Deion Smith, who got in the portal, and uh, you know, just kind of a wait and see situation with him. Let's go to the board just for a moment. Check out some questions. I think uh, these are some great questions from the board at Inside the Rebels at Rebs two four seven dot com. Grenada Reb seventy nine says, "Do we take at least one against Arkey this weekend?" I've said I think they take one. I think so, definitely. Especially uh, the way that Dylan Delucia is pitching right now. Uh, not not just you know one game or two, but two in a row, uh, three total. Yeah. Really, but you know more specifically, two in a row. He has that good mix of three pitches, and you know Arkansas. I, I don't quite know if they quite live up to last year's team as far as just their sheer, you know, dominance from night in night out. They've shown that they have been vulnerable at times. But if Holmes has any chance of winning, taking one, I think it's then. And I, and I don't say it because of the numbers. I think just the way that he's pitching. Yep. And just if he can keep that mix, I think that'd be great. Now, starting rotation could be a little different. I think we'll still, I think we'll still see Derek Diamond, one of those two, because you know Diamond has, you know, there were some, there were some struggles, kind of midway from where they started to where they are now. But I think Diamond is. I think he's about that point where he's about to turn the corner. Now, you can qu- debate whether Bianco kept him in a little bit too long against Mississippi State, gave State the homer that they, in, in the lead that they eventually kept for almost tied it uh, in the ninth. But I think he, you're going to see him there as well. As far as, as far as the other guy, that's the question that's still kind of on my mind because Ole Miss is really thin when you look at the pitching staff right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's been a revolving door with that it, third it, star. It, 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 in, in, you know, you looked at last year with just, you know, Hoagland going out for the season in UCL, Chofi going out in UCL. They do get Chofi back, although he's only had one game so far, and it was against a struggling Murray State team. But, you know, there's no update on Maddox, according to Bianco, yet. Washburn is still out. Um, you know, Gaddis and his appendix issues, that's a that's pretty concerning. Um, and I know people who've dealt with that, too, and that's awful. But and there's still some guys that, you know, even with their sample size, you know, haven't exactly impressed yet. So they're just going to have to really hunger down and just really just stay in the zone and fight, for lack of a better word. I think it comes down to fight at the end of the day because Ole Miss has shown that they are able to fight. Now, midway through SEC play, you know, against Alabama, when Alabama got big on them, Ole Miss just simply just threw in the towel. You know, Southeast Missouri, same way, threw in the towel a little bit. Um South Carolina, you know, who would have thought that they would have come back from four in the ninth and at least try to make it a game at the end? And Mississippi State, you look at, you know, the last game on, of the series on Saturday, and you know, shoot, they fought back that following Friday. They've shown that they've are going to do something. Their backs against the wall, especially when the occasion calls. At the same time, you have to have those timely hits when it matters, and you can't afford to have five zeros in a row. Mule up asked a question. Uh, Keith Carter, obviously the Ole Miss AD. What's our AD saying about the abysmal state of the baseball program? Look, the baseball program six and twelve. There'll be an evaluation period at the end of the year. Keith's not going to do anything, no matter how bad it gets during the season. Any type of decision will come at the end of the year. The second part of the question: What potential head baseball coaches are on the list? I think it begins and ends with Dan McDonald. After that, it falls off a good bit. Then you start talking about uh, Link Jarrett from Notre Dame, maybe a. Uh, Cliff Godwin from East Carolina, maybe Elaine Burroughs. But 
I think it begins it begins and ends with Dan McDonald. I think so as well. I mean, it's it's the right it, it's the right fit. Um, you know, he's I believe he was a hitting coach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but yeah, he I was. Mean, well, he, he, yeah, hitting he, or pitching, I don't know, he, but it, he 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 was had a lot to do with recruiting in the early 2000s or middle 2000s when Ole Miss was rolling. Yeah, and look, look at look at the star power that Ole Miss has rolled during that time. It's pretty crazy. You look at guys like you know Zach Cozart, uh, you know a, a guy like a uh, you know I think Lance Lamb was in there. Drew Pomeranz was kind of in the later uh, part of that star power. If you, I think, I mean the list kind of goes on and on. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you can you know name enough guys and you are bound to kind of forget one. But I think. Yeah, I think most people in early on when this kind of came up, I think they they reverted to Godwin a little bit early. Uh, but at the same time, you know, McDonald, I think, it, 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 and I think it should almost offer him. I think it would be really tough to turn down because considering how much Ole Miss invests in their baseball program, um, you know, they've shown a heavy emphasis in upgrading their facilities. Look at their the uh, you know the team's offices that they they built and. Uh, in left, excuse me, in right field, and what they plan to do it with the capital campaign, Champions Now right. uh, campaign. It, the, the the resources are there, and the reputation of Ole Miss baseball as a program, you know, a team that wins a lot at the same time hasn't quite gotten over the hump. Nor can they beat their in-state rival uh, very often. You know, granted they're two for two in 2022, but at the same time. They're set up in a in a good position. They just have to take care of those things. I think that guy can do it. And I think if you get a coach who kind of has that, you know, should should they make a coaching change first off? Because you know things don't look good for Bianco on the surface. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've seen you know Keith give certain coaches benefit of the doubt. Um, but I think the, the it's there for whoever you know wants it. And I think Ole Miss is, I don't think Ole Miss is going to settle uh, for you know. You know, anything you know less than a guy who, you know, has proven any guy who has the potential to make it happen. Yes, yeah, one of the one of the best programs of the country. I don't think there's any doubt. You know, you look at Dammy Donald, what he's done at Louisville. Basically, Louisville baseball didn't exist before he got there. They had one NCAA tournament appearance before he got there. Now they've been to five not only tournaments, they've been to five College World Series. You know, from what I've understood, a couple of people I've talked to in Louisville, the family really enjoys it there. He recruits, pretty much gets whoever he wants out of the Midwest. Uh, I was told there's going to be roughly $16 million for improvements to the stadium, including an indoor practice facility. I expect there to be a, a nice pay raise for him. The question is, is you know, the, there was a lot of scuttlebutt last year with the athletic director and how COVID was handled. And I don't think Dan liked that a whole lot. But I do think he does want to come back to the SEC. And that's why I think that if there's a coaching change, it has to be done the right way. And I'm not saying that you placate to Mike Bianco, but I am saying you placate to Mike Bianco. You do it the right way. You allow him to step away on his own terms. You pay him every bit of money that he's owed. And then you go out and you hire Dan McDonald and you call it a day. So that's what I think Ole Miss should do. But then again, I'm not Keith Carter. Uh, one question from Rebel1017 asks, what's wrong with T.J. McCants? It looks like he's just kind of going through the motions. I don't know, Jared. He does not look comfortable to play, uh, specifically over the weekend against Mississippi State. Everything was off speed to him, and he just didn't look good. I do 
know that there are some situations going on uh, behind the scenes with TJ in regards to, I think there may have been a death in the family. So that definitely could be playing into this. A family illness is what we were told. Uh, oh, illness. Today. I apologize uh, uh, if it's uh, not uh, a death. Uh, okay. Officially, um, from uh, Ole Miss's baseball media contact, Mitch Praxel. But, yeah, about McCants is, yeah, Mississippi State. You know, he had one hit in three games. Right. It, doing, the, doing the math, he was one for nine at, at the plate with, um, I don't know how many strikeouts he had during that time. Uh, but um, that's one thing that TJ said that he wanted to prove on going into the season was plate patience. You know, TJ has displayed the power, um, you know, last year, especially late in the season. But at the same time, he was kind of a strikeout magnet last year. And this year, it like, like you exactly what you just said, some of the off-speed stuff. Um, some of these, not just TJ, but some of these guys in the lineup that you thought, okay, maybe this year they turn the corner or at least have something that didn't go right last year go their way. TJ's not the only one. Now, granted, it, it, it's been rough for TJ as of late. Pey- you look, if you look at the 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 funk that Peyton Chatagnier was in for a while, where it just seems like every time he went to the plate, it was a guaranteed out or you know a guaranteed even double double play if there's people on base. Uh, Tim Elko struggled a little bit, kind of in the early middle, maybe right before SEC play, um, somewhere kind of in that range. Kevin Graham took a while to get going. Uh, Justin Bench, you know, had some stuff going early, but not so much the power, um, in which he's definitely shown that over the past, you know, couple weeks. But yeah, TJ is just kind of the latest one to kind of throw on the pile. And I, I can't, I'm not TJ, you know, I'm not the coach, you know, I can't tell you what exactly it's because it's probably, I can just tell you from what the media sees and the surface numbers. Um, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really brutal these next couple of weeks, because like the schedule we talked about earlier, it does not get any easier whatsoever, and your backs are against the wall. Center Point and Rev asked, who are the potential replacements if Ole Miss moves on from Bianco? We've talked about that. It's Stan McDonald, and then it's, it's fall off from there. Then you're talking about Godwin and, and Jarrett and a few others. Another basketball question for you for Jared uh, for center, from Center Point Rev. If Kermit doesn't find any assistance or gets more players in the portal, what will happen? Will he be relieved of his duties as he should have been this past year what are your thoughts on that um yeah it's it's been a struggle for Kermit I think I mean I think Kermit is is trying but at the same time you know David and I had this conversation we talk about just the assistant coaching market um in college basketball right now um you know assistant coaches typically you know nowadays it used to not used to not be the way back then but nowadays it's like you know why you know, make that commitment to kind of be there, you know, one year or so and gone the next, especially if you come into a situation like Kermit where he's kind of already, you know, in hot water with the fans. There's, you know, the, the frustration, obviously, from the fan base. And, you know, Keith, question like, you know, I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm a former basketball player, but at the same time, we have got to get this done. And I think, you know, the pressure's on, you know, plain and simple. I don't know. And then that would be the same way as any occupation. You know, if I were – to just go AWOL a full week from not writing any stories, um, you know, I would be, you know, reached out to by not only David, but, you know, the people above me. And if I didn't change or if, or if I didn't just make it happen after I've been talked to, bam, I'm gone. It's just like that. It's the same way with coaching, especially in the SEC, where it's where have you done, what have you done for me lately yesterday? He won 
or he went won and went to an NCAA tournament his first year, not the, the players he recruited. Now you can say that Kermit has brought in some good, some of the best prospects that almost has ever had on paper. But at the same time, during that span, there's been some misevaluations with some of the players he's brought in, whether it be from the portal or, you know, guys who haven't quite lived up to their potential. Um, I think the pressure's on. And I think, you know, I think Keith, Keith has done a good job so far of at least giving people the benefit of the doubt and being, you know, seeing things through, you know, he was a player himself. And so I think from a basketball standpoint, I think he understands the basketball situation a little bit uh, more for what, you know, what's best for, you know, the players that are currently within the program. Cause Ole Miss has had six players leave for the transfer portal. Um, and I think, you know, he's willing, and I think he's tried to give, you know, you know, Davis is the support he needed to kind of the belief in him to get something happen. But at the same time, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I don't think it's a fooling situation, but it's that similar thing where, you know, the pressure is on and the SEC is not going to get easier for you. So I think, you know, you know, there are things that I have heard when it comes to the assistant coaching things. I, I'm not comfortable to say it on recording, just to say what exactly is going to happen yet without being called out later. Um, but, you know, progress is being done and things are, you know, or at least trying to get going. And, you know, you look at some of the players Ole Miss has brought in with uh, the Jackson State transfer, Javis McKinnis, uh, the NAI player, um, Miles Burns. Uh, some people call him the Dennis Rodman of NAIA. I don't know um, if you know, that'll hold, especially in the SEC. Uh, you know, Ole Miss has some, some good prospects in the pipeline that are seniors this year going to freshman year. You know, he's been on the recruiting trail, had some offers, um, lately, so I think that Kermit, I think Kermit Davis is certainly trying. But at the same time, if you're Keith, he's giving people the benefit of the doubt. It worked with Yo when Yo was kind of rebuilding it. With Kermit, with Kermit's though, it's kind of gone backwards a little bit. You look at the attendance last year, and it was, you know, scary bad. Um, I'm talking, you know, lows in you know since the Kennedy era, or since since the, even the midway point of the Kennedy era, for that matter, even. Uh, when Kennedy's had some of those struggles post the NCAA tournament, the first NCAA tournament years. But I think, you know, if things were just to pause or have, you know, minimal effort kind of before the season, I think that a change is very much in line. And you have to look at the, the payout, obviously, and so forth. Hey, Keith Carter did not roll over his contract, uh, which is not. something to to monitor going forward. Uh, Sports Freak 2 asked about the, the top 10 recruiting class. Look, you just said it perfectly. There are a lot of good players coming in. But unfortunately for, for this the staff, they misevaluated some players earlier on. So uh, this is a season that is going to be very, very, very big for Kermit Davis. By the way, the NIL structure is not great for Ole Miss in basketball. So that's something that they're definitely swimming, and, swimming and the, up Yeah, in. and they're obviously behind the eight ball just simply right. because of the market that Ole Miss is in as well. Despite it all being flashy at the end of the day, it's a business. It is. Final question tonight for you, Jared. Uh, 89UM Rev talks about how – uh, basically, the question is: Did the LSU interview with Bianco have an effect on this team? Um, you know, I've heard different people with different answers, and I've heard different people say that that's just fodder for people to talk about. That that had nothing to do with this team. Uh, then I've heard people say that if my Bianco interview with LSU, that he should have been fired on the spot. Um, I think there is some truth in the middle. I personally believe that. I don't know that his players quit on him i don't i don't think that's the, the case we've only seen this team really quit once or twice this year 
uh, they've played hard ever since uh, in in every other game. I do it's very I do think it's very safe to say that a number of players I'm sorry a number of fans have checked out and they've really checked out whenever you compound the fact of the LSU interview and the team being swept by Alabama and it all kind of went downhill from there. Yeah, well here's the thing about that. Um I think like I referenced earlier, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. And, you know, of course, Bianco being under pressure for, you know, not being able to beat his rival consistently, his rival winning a national championship, um, just some of the, you know, some of the baffling decisions in crucial games, whether it be, uh, you know, managing the pitching staff or, you know, whether it be uh, just having so much talent go through and having, you know, only, you know, a super regional appearance or a couple super regional appearances kind of come out of it. Um, but like I said, it's a business though. And the fact that regardless of whether the school that's reaching out is your alma mater, if you've been in a place for 20 years and, and it's the same way in college, you know, sometimes as, as a player, sometimes the coach's message may fall on deaf ears. And I'm not going to say that's exactly what's going on with Bianco because that's just, that that's just the nature of things. You know, it's like, pre, you know, someone said coaching is like preaching. You know, after a while, you know, you've heard the same messages and the same sermons over and over again. It kind of falls on deaf ears and it's less, you know, inspiring and less impactful and all that. And I'm not saying that that's happening with Bianco. Uh, but, you know, that's what some people may speculate. Some people think that, you know, because of all the pressure going on and, you know, just him w- wanting to go to his alma mater. You know, this is a place where Bianco spent a lot of his life at, you know, under, you know, the legendary Skip Bartman some of the national championship teams that, you know, that he's been a part of, even, even as an assistant coach there for some of the best moments, not only in LSU history, but, you know, SEC college baseball history. That all happened at Alex Fox State. That all happened in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I think, you know, I think it would have been crazy for Bianco to not listen, you know, unless he was absolutely dedicated to Oxford. And I think he, Bianco, you know, loves Oxford. You know, I don't think he would have lasted 20 years for after what he's kind of built up at Ole Miss – um, during that time, but um, if I, if I said that correctly, I kind of blanked in the middle of that sentence, thinking about something else. But um, he, he's been he's been he is Ole Miss baseball. That's all yeah, there is to it. it. And I do think Jared, the- real quick, I, I think that you can be one of the best coaches. He, Tom Swayze, some of the best coaches to ever put the uniform on for Ole Miss, and can be remembered as such. Then also be time to move on. Those two things can happen side by side. They can both be true. Yeah, and, and both of them can be true. Um, but at the same time, if you look at it from a fan's perspective or, you know, from an administrator's perspective, you know, if you if you hear not just that he's talking to LSU or, you know, speculating or, you know, kind of flirting with LSU a little bit, when you hear things that, like, you know, should Bianco be named coach, he would want so-and-so to be his hitting coach. He would want to be so-and-so to be pitch coach. Those type of things, even, you know, whether they're, you know, not true or not, you know, that kind of sits with you a little bit. And at the same time, it makes you think, okay, well, what if Bianco really does want this? Um, and, you know, it's something that may have possibly happened. And at the same time, uh, I think, you know, L- I don't think LSU – and I think LSU, you know, brought in a guy – another guy who was, you know, somewhat reasonable for the job too with, uh, you know, Jay Johnson, the way that he you know, made Arizona. Granted, it didn't yeah. go so well in the College World Series. You know, that offense last year was just – I mean – they, they really resembled Tennessee's Tech's offense as far as just their – in 2018, you know, with just the, the sheer amount of power that they displayed. 
um, in that series. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I hate to bring up relationship examples, but it's the same way in any, you know, in a dating relationship. It's a similar thing. If you, if you hear that your partner is, you know, you know, talking and being a little bit too personal, uh, with somebody that's going to rub you the wrong, wrong way. That's, that's just, that's no human doubt. nature. That's human. It's human nature to think about that. Not just with relationships, but with anything, um, you know, within that same framework. And I think from the fan's perspective, you know, that fan has every right to believe that, you know, he should have been fired on the spot and, you know, and, you know, Keith can make, makes, you know, calls the shots and makes the decision um, at the end of the day. It could be a lot of different things. And I think it all depends on your matter of perspective because none of us are Bianco. None of us knows exactly where he was, who he talked to. Um, and, you know, some people do and some people have said it, but, you know, whether you believe it is up to your choice and all that. But I think as a player, I think it could have a little bit of a ripple effect. Uh, to it, knowing knowing that that happened and just hearing about it, you always are naturally going to be led to question, even from fan fans' perspective and all that. But coming back to Ole Miss, you know, if that if that wasn't going to work at LSU, I think that would have been the obvious choice at Ole Miss because you have everything set in Oxford. Although you're getting a little bit hotter and hotter water, considering what's going on around you with the SEC, your rival winning national championship, and so forth. So, you know, it it's you know it's more than a two way street if you want to put it that way. We appreciate everybody at uh, Inside the Rebels and affiliate 247 Sports for asking the questions. And uh, we appreciate Jared Redding, uh, one of our talented writers there at reps247.com. It's been a great co-worker so far over the last couple of weeks, and we're excited about football season upcoming. Baseball season will end soon enough, and and we'll know one way or the other what direction this baseball program will go. Uh, Jared, thanks very much for joining us. He's at Jared E. Redding on Twitter. And of course, you can catch all of his work at rebs247.com. Thanks, Jared. Good to talk to y'all. And that was Jared Redding, of course, of Inside the Rebels, the uh, affiliate of 247 Sports. Does a great job covering this Ole Miss baseball team and uh, kind of got his feet wet with basketball this year. But he's kind of new on the job, but he's done a phenomenal job. Knows Ole Miss inside and out. And we're so grateful to have him be a part of the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. Be sure and Remember our two sponsors for today? That's Bet Online. Remember, football might be over for the season, but basketball is at full steam at both pro. Uh, it's all over the place. The playoffs are going on right now. Uh, so this is a great time to head on over to the website and get your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started today. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts so grateful to have their partnership for the believe in Ole Miss podcast also university traditions always appreciate the good folks at univ traditions on twitter that's at university traditions and they've got some great hats i mean they lay down perfectly they've got they've got the hat with the rope across the across the top the kind that kind of sit up the mesh back they've got all the colors of the sec teams and it's a really cool design i encourage you to check it out be sure when you're checking out use that promo code brad b-r-a-d and save you 10% today. Thanks very much, everybody, for joining the show. It was a little bit long today, but uh, we had Jared on. I wanted to kind of get to the basis of, of all this baseball stuff and have some basketball talk and, of course, have the football talk. But uh, Be sure to join us on the board at reps247.com. And uh, love to have you uh, ask another question. We'll do another Q&A with Jared. He did a great job today. We look forward to talking to you down the road right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network.
You've been listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion, to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.